When Sarah and I were first married, I was asked to go uh, to the Middle East on a trip with a pastor friend of mine. He was a radio host, and he asked me to come and bring like some color commentary to his radio show. Uh, and so we traveled all over the Middle East for about a month, and one of the moments that I remember the most, it was one of my favorite moments of the whole trip, we spent a week in Beirut, Lebanon. And at the time, Beirut was rebuilding from a civil war that had happened in the early 70s, uh, mid-70s to kind of the mid-80s. And so Beirut was rebuilding this whole world around them. And we sat with a pastor who told us a story of an Easter Sunday where his church was quarantined for a different reason than ours. A civil war had hit. There were two religious factions that were fighting back and forth. The streets were unsafe. And as Easter Sunday was approaching, he wanted to encourage his congregation. He wanted to show them that Christ had risen. He wanted to show his love for them. But it was an age before our age where all the technical Zoom calls and video calls weren't available. And so he decided to get up early uh, before the break of dawn and before the sun came up. They filled their car with breakfasts for each and every family of their church. It was a small church. So they gathered breakfast in the car and they began driving to each of the homes. And as they drove to the homes, there was danger on either side because they could be driving into the middle of a war or into the middle of combat or into the middle of snipers shooting at them. They said at one point there were gunshots and they drove as fast as they could to get out of that area as quickly as they possibly could. But he showed up at every single person at their church's door, knocked on the door, and I can't imagine being a person in the middle of this conflict, who's knocking at my door, what's happening, and he stood as their pastor, handed them breakfast, and said, Christ is risen, hope is alive. Um, now this morning, I'm not driving to all of your houses with breakfast. Uh, that would be way too much breakfast for me and Sarah to cook. Uh, but I do want you to know, with all the passion that I can muster, uh, is that Christ is alive, that hope is alive, that this morning in your homes, with your family, as you're doing the Easter bunny and as your kids are hanging out together, the hope of Easter is not affected by the closed doors of the quarantine. Matt did an amazing job setting us up this morning in John chapter 20. I want us to go to verse five, and I want us to see what happens when Jesus walks through locked doors. So verse five says, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. The first word of the risen son to his disciples all together in one space is this word, peace be with you. And I can't imagine a more appropriate phrase for us this morning. As Jesus walks into our homes this morning, as Jesus enters through the locked doors of our quarantine, these are the same words that I hope echo through your home this morning. Peace be with you. I want you to place yourself in that room with the disciples. I want you to imagine that everything's fallen apart, that everything they dreamed of, everything they hoped for, everything they wanted is now gone, and they don't know what to do next. Imagine the excitement and the joy when Jesus suddenly enters in and says, peace be with you. It's both a promise and a greeting, both a reminder and a recommendation, both an assurance and an assumption, both a welcome and a word. Jesus enters in and he says, peace be with you. W.H. Auden coined the phrase, the age of anxiety, long before we ever entered into a global pandemic. 
And as I look at our world right now, I see that the ruling tyrant of fear has ruled for way too long, and we have bowed at its altars for far longer than four weeks. But over the last four weeks, our anxiety has risen, our fears have grown, and we need a reminder from Jesus who enters into the room and says, peace be with you. Because what fear does is it holds us in place. What fear does is it tethers us to our circumstances. What fear does is it rules and reigns in our hearts when we actually need peace to rule and reign despite our circumstances. And in a world that's anxious, in a world where we don't know what's next, what we need is peace. And when Jesus said, peace be with you, it wasn't a cliched welcome. It wasn't a God is good all the time or Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It wasn't some cliched truth. It was a rooted truth because peace in that moment was not a cliche. Peace was a person. And the first thing I want you to know today on Easter Sunday is that today peace is available. Peace is available to you, whatever room you stand in today, whatever fears you're holding, whatever your past history is, however this week has turned out for you, whether you're sick or whether you are well, whether you are contagious or whether you are completely healthy, peace is available because Jesus is in the room. Verse 20, it says this, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. There's something beautiful about this, that God in the flesh enters into the room and he doesn't get angry with his disciples because of their lack of faith. He doesn't get frustrated with them because they're quarantined in the room. He simply walks into the space and shows them his wounds. He shows them his scars. He shows them the doubts because what he's doing is he's showing them that the world did its worst to me. The cross is one of the most grotesque ways for anybody to die. It's a torture device that killed an innocent man. And the cross not only reveals the worst of ancient Rome, but it also reveals the worst in us. It reveals our complicity in the violence of the world. And it shows that each of us, we either participate in and have the capacity to hurt others the way that the cross hurt Christ, or we stand by and watch others as they're hurt. And what Jesus does, when he shows them his hands and he shows them their scars as he announces that peace is available, but not only peace, but victory. The second thing I want you to know today is that victory is available, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross. Because in that moment when he walked into the room, there was an understanding that Christ held victory over death. The early church's rally cry became, oh, death, where is your sting? What are you going to do to us? How are you going to hurt us? Are you going to kill us? We already have victory over death. In Colossians chapter 2, which we studied this week in daily prayers, so the scripture says Jesus disarmed the spiritual principalities and he made a spectacle of them. What he's pointing out here is this idea of Christ as the victor, Christus victor, that Jesus actually paraded death through the streets as, as, as a spectacle. It's what Rome would do when they would conquer nations. They would find the ruler of that nation, they would place him in a cage, and they would parade him through the streets of Rome completely naked, making a spectacle of him and proving once and for all that Rome ruled everything. This is what Jesus says he did to death. He disarmed the power of death. He disarmed the power of sickness. He disarmed the power of viruses. He disarmed the power of disease. 
and said he put them all to shame. In verse 21, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. He says it again because it's so important. Peace be with you. Because as the Father has sent you, has sent me, so I'm sending you. He reminds them of his peace. He reminds them of his victory. And then he reminds them of their mission. Uh, Place yourself in the room right there with the disciples. They thought the mission was over. They thought everything ended with Christ's death on the cross. And Jesus says, the mission isn't over. We may be quarantined, but you're going to leave out of this room and you're going to step into the world and you're going to live into what's next. The question that we've been asking over and over is, what's next? This, this season seems so fluid. Every day there's new information. Every day it feels like there's, there's new dates that are saying, stay in the room for this much longer. Stay in the house for this much longer. Stay quarantined for this much longer. And my kids are asking me the question over and over again, what's next and how long does this last? And we're all asking those questions. What's next for the economy? What's next for the people who are sick? When do we get to go out to eat? When do we get to see our friends again? When do we get to worship in church together again? And Jesus walks into the room and says, the worst of humanity cannot derail the best of God's plans. This week, I've just felt this fatigue setting in over me. I don't know about you guys, but I felt this like motivation that's been lacking. It's been harder for me to get up and get moving. And, and, and in the middle of all of this, I was just at my day, like this week at the peak of my stress just feeling worn out, feeling a little depression, feeling like I'm running a little slow. And my daughter came to me and she said, Daddy, I want you to see something. And I was like, baby, I'm working. Like, I'm doing important things here. Okay, well, come see it later. And so later in the day, I walked outside with her and she had done a chalk drawing all over our driveway. And on the chalk drawing on our driveway, she had found the verse herself, 1 Peter 5.10. And it says this, And after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What he's saying, what God was saying to me in that moment is, we might suffer for a little while. We might be quarantined for a little while. But eventually, we're going to stand up and we're going to walk out of these rooms. And the question for us this morning on Easter is what kind of people are we going to be when we leave the room? Grace Marietta, I want you to know we are still the sent people of God. The mission has not changed. The the, the vision has not changed. And we need to cling to what is real in these moments and recognize that in this season, there is a shaking. But what is being shaken off are the things that we don't need to carry with us so that we know what we do need to carry with us. And Jesus walks through the locked doors and tells us nothing is dead. There is nothing that cannot be restored. There is nothing that cannot be redeemed. There is nothing that is out of my control and out of my power. And today, I want you all to know that mission and purpose are still available to us. What's the mission that God's inviting you into this season? What's the new dream that he's awakening in you? Verse 22, this is the, this is the verse that's got me all week this week. I, I, I find myself getting a little emotional every time I read it. It says, it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He, he breathed on them. It's, it's the one thing that we don't want to happen right now. 
We're, all, we're wearing masks for the first time to avoid even catching the breath of anybody. Everybody's worried about the virus. Everybody's worried about the breath. Everybody's worried about all of these things. We want to stay six feet apart. People are losing their minds and starting to fight in grocery stores because people aren't six feet apart, which it feels like fighting defeats the purpose of staying six feet apart. But, but everybody's lysoling everything so that we don't catch the virus. Everybody's more concerned about germs and breathing than we've ever been. And Jesus walks into the room, and when Jesus breathes, he doesn't make us sick. He makes us well. The breath of Jesus in that moment represented the passing of his spirit. In ancient cultures, believed that inside of your breath was your spirit, and that as you breathed, your spirit went with you. In, in, at the beginning of the creation story, God breathed life into his people. And what Jesus is doing is he's recapitulating this. He's showing us again the breath of life delivered from a savior to his people. It's symbolic way of saying, you have all that I have in you. My spirit dwells in you. The spirit that I have, the power that I have, the authority that I have, my breath is your breath. And Jesus is saying, remember when the father created you with his breath, I am recreating you now with mine. And today, I want everybody to know the good news that the breath of heaven is available. And his breath means that something new is being birthed, that a new age is getting ready to begin. And, and, and here's what's amazing. As something new is beginning, something old is also dying. As something new is starting, there's something old that's going away. And, and with every locked door, there's a Savior that's waiting to step in. And some days, I, I, I just don't know that I have the faith for this, but the question that I've been asking, the question that's been going on in my mind over and over and over again is, who, what kind of people will we be when we leave the rooms? What kind of people will we be when the quarantine is over? What kind of people will we be when we walk away from this? And there's days that I have faith that revival is coming and that when we leave this room, something's going to happen like what happened at Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit's going to fall, that revival's going to break out, that the people of God are going to leave the room with a restored mission, with a restored passion, with a restored vigor to go out and be the people of God. And the things that we've been carrying and the things that need to be shaken and need to die will die so that the new thing can come to life, but there's other days where I just don't feel like I have the faith for it. With every locked door, there is a Savior waiting to step in. With every death, there is resurrection that is available. And so I wonder for us in this season, if a great question for us to be asking is, what needs to die in me in this season? What is it that I need to give up so that I can become the person that God has called me to? What is it that I need to leave in the quarantined room so when I walk out, I'm a new creation, I'm a new person, I am God-breathed, and I'm walking in His power and His authority? Because the Easter story would have been a terrible story if Jesus enters into that room, breathes on His disciples, walks through locked doors, says, peace be with you, and then they stayed in the rooms forever. The power of the Easter story is that the, the people of God left that room, is that they left it with passion and with excitement, that they walked in and created the greatest revival that's ever happened in the history of the world. The second thing I want to ask is not just what needs to die in you, but what needs to come to life in you? 
What is it that God is awakening in that room? Because I can't help but imagine that in that room, in that moment, what Jesus did when he walked in and he said, peace be with you, and he showed them his wounds and his scars, and he said, peace again, and he reminded them of their mission, and he breathed on him. What he did was he awakened something in the disciples. He awakened their passion. He awakened their excitement. He awakened their joy. He reminded them that the mission is not over. So what is God awakening in you in this season? The disciples left that room and they marched into the world with a passion and with an excitement, with a power and with an authority, with miracles, with signs and wonders, with the word of God rooted in everything that they were doing and the power of Jesus walking with them. And I wonder what would happen, Grace Marietta, if we did the same when we walked out of these rooms. So my prayer for us this week, this weird Easter where I'm preaching to a camera in an empty room, is that we will awaken to something new that God is doing. That we will be renewed with passion and restored and that what needs to die will die in us in these spaces and that we will walk into the room and bring revival.